Hey, welcome back. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> oh, well, that's what happens when you just try too hard, apparently. Welcome back. <laughs> Unusable. <laughs> <laughs> Debatable. Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. Uh, I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. That we do. That is right, we do. How you doing tonight? You know... It's been a day, but it's we're here. Been, oh man, it has been a day. <laughs> Let me tell you, I won't actually, but it's You don't it, you don't want to know, guys. Yeah, you don't want to know. Just take it's, our word for it's it. It's been a day. Oh, because of such a day, what are you drinking? I, you know, unrelated to the day. I'm having a simply spiked lemonade. Wow. I know. I know. It's almost the end of summer. I'm sure these are going to get discontinued. Right. So I'm just enjoying, you know, once a week or two, my delicious Simply Safe lemonade. Little Simply, Simply Safe. Simply I keep spiked. doing that. My <laughs> delicious Simply Spiked lemonade. <laughs> well, I am also drinking a Simply Spiked lemonade of a flavor I've not had yet. The strawberry lemonade. Yeah, one. that's good. I haven't had this one yet. It's tasty. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, now that we've shared with everybody our drinks, we are 11 episodes in. So uh, there's a trend here. I think everybody knows what's coming if you've listened to more than a couple episodes. Yeah. What's our feel-good fact of the day, my love? Our feel-good fact of the day is very cute. So rabbits express happiness by doing a very fancy little twisty jump. This jump is known as a binky. Hmm. So when they're happy, they do this little, just look it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's super cute. Binky. We're lucky because your mom lives close by and she has house rabbits. She does. So we've got to see one of them in particular that loves the binky. Yeah. Wish and Wells. Shout out Wish and Wells. Shout out to Wish and Wells. My bunnies in law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's heartwarming and adorable 100% of the time. So look it up. It'll yeah. make your day. It's cute. Yeah. That's a nice little fact. Yeah, just like an easy one. That's yeah. just like, it. who's going to be in a bad mood knowing that there's a name for the fancy little twisty jump that rabbits do yeah. when they're happy? When like, they're happy. Come on. When they're in a good mood. I wish there was a name for what humans do when they do like, a, if we did like a fancy little twisty jump. Do a little, do a little twirl in the kitchen. Be like, oh, a little, little, little binky. little binky. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that you've <clears throat> lifted us so high. Are you uh, planning to bring us down pretty pretty hard? This one's pretty rough. Yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, good. That's what I need right now. Yep. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. So this week we're covering a very weird and pretty graphic case. The star of the show today might be one of the most unassuming murderers that I know about, but the crimes that this person committed are some of the most shocking that I've come across. If the sheer suspected body count doesn't leave you jarred and nauseated, then what this particular villain did with their victims surely will. Today, we're hopping across the sea and over into Russia, where today's story takes place. Mm. I'm going to tell you about Tamara Samsonova, the Granny Ripper. 
Ooh. It was a name like that. The Granny Ripper. Yeah. So hop in and prepare yourself for a wild ride because this one's a doozy. Oh, okay. Here we go. In the early evening hours of July 26, 2015, a couple was walking their dog beside a pond near house number 10 on Dimitrov Street in St. Petersburg, Russia. Hmm. Disclaimer now that I'm probably going to pooch a bunch of the names. I'm going to do my best. Please forgive me and my American sensibilities. Mm, yes. All right. So all was quiet and normal until their dog began frantically barking at what appeared to be a plastic bag that had been left there. While residents normally didn't bother to investigate what they assumed to be a bag of trash, like that wasn't really a cult or isn't really, I suppose, a cultural norm hmm. over in Russia. They're just like, all right, I'm going to mind my business. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, because their dog was barking out of control, they thought it was interesting enough to at least go and examine it a little bit further. Yeah. So when they decided to take a closer look, that's when they made an extremely disturbing discovery. Inside of the large plastic bag wrapped in a shower curtain was a pile of dismembered body parts. Oh. Yeah. Investigators were quickly on the scene and began questioning residents who lived in close proximity to the pond while they awaited the results of an autopsy on their remains. The goal was to see if anyone in the area had seen anything suspicious or if any of the residents were not accounted for. Hmm. They also brought in police dogs to sniff around the area where they found more dismembered body parts, legs and hips to be specific. At this point, an almost entire body had been recovered with the head, hands, and lungs not being accounted for. Jeez. Yeah. So after a few conversations with different tenants in the neighborhood, police were informed that 79-year-old Valentina Olanova had not been seen in several days. In fact, in the days leading up to the body being discovered by the pond, a social worker had actually gone to Valentina's home just as like a sort of well check since mm -hmm. Valentina was elderly. When she arrived at Valentina's home, she was greeted by a woman she didn't recognize and wasn't allowed into the home. Mm. She thought this was odd, so she actually had reported Valentina missing to the local police. By the next day, the remains found by the pond were confirmed as belonging to Valentina Olanova, so they too went to her home as a follow-up. Oh, wow. Yeah, so obviously, just like pausing for a second, when I said today's is pretty graphic, I'm not joking. Mm. So this one, if you're squeamish, is probably not for you. I'll try and give little warnings beforehand if there's anything particularly graphic, but yeah, this one's bad. Oh, okay. I assume with any name that has any reference to the term ripper, considering what we know of... Other rippers, a, a British ripper in particular. Yeah, the uh, Atlanta Ripper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I can only assume this is pretty serious. Yes, this is pretty serious. So when they knocked on the door of Valentina's apartment on July 29th, twenty fifteen, they were greeted by a kindly looking older woman, sixty eight year old Tamara Samsonova. Hmm. Tamara let the officers into the home where they quickly discovered traces of blood. Fastenings for a shower curtain matching the one found with Valentina's remains inside of them. And that was really all they needed to make Tamara Samsonova a key person of interest in the case. Mm, yeah. Police would bring her in for further questioning, but none of them were prepared to learn what actually happened in this home at the hands of someone who seemed to be an innocent and mild-mannered woman. Mm. So Tamara Samsonova, there's a little discrepancy here. I've seen her birthday reported on different days. So we yep. go with the most commonly reported. She was born on April 25th, 1947 
in Uzher, Russia. Mm. I don't know if I said that right. Yeah, I'm sure. Sorry, not, guys. I'm so sorry if we have any Russian listeners. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm blushing. So I couldn't find much about her childhood or her family background, but I did learn that after graduating high school, Tamara relocated to Moscow, Russia to attend Moscow State Linguistic University. After graduating in the late 1960s, Tamara moved to St. Petersburg, Russia, where she would meet the man that she would eventually marry, Alexei Samsonova. By all accounts, the two seemed to have hit it off, and by 1971, they were settling into their new home, the wood-paneled house number four on Dimitrov Street. Alexei worked in the world of car repair, while Tamara found work in the tourism industry, working for some pretty impressive places, such as Intourist, the leading travel agency in the area, and then eventually she worked at the top-rated five-star Grand Hotel Europe, where she worked until she retired at the age of 53. So That's they're pretty young to retire. Yeah. It's good. I mean, yeah. you know, married, so maybe it was more of a choice, but. Yeah. So anyway, huh. so there are some blurs in regards to when this happened, but at some point, Tamara's husband went missing, never to be heard from again. So just like make a quick little, yeah. quick little jump from everything's fine. She's retiring to husband's missing. Hmm. Some sources said that he reportedly disappeared sometime in the year 2000, shortly after Tamara had retired, but I didn't see that confirmed anywhere. So most reports say that Tamara did reach out to authorities in 2000 for help in finding her missing husband, but searches yielded no results. Hmm. Some sources also said that the only information she was able to give to police was her assumption that he may have ran off with another woman, but that she couldn't be sure. So her insights were vague at best. Yeah. So not long after her husband went missing, Tamara began taking on lodgers to rent out a room in her apartment that she was now living in all alone. Hmm. In the summer of 2001, her first known lodger would move into her home at house number four on Dimitrov Street. His name was Vladimir. I couldn't find much information about him, but what we do know for sure is that this arrangement did not last long. Many sources citing that the two had some sort of falling out, and with that, her extra room was soon available for a new tenant. Oh, yeah. In September of 2003, a new tenant would move in, a 44-year-old man by the name of Sergei Potanin. <laughs> for whatever reason, we have a little more insight into what it was like to be a tenant in Tamara's home from whatever time this guy was here. So, hmm. The overall claim was that Samsonova was pretty difficult to live with. Apparently, she would regularly fly off the handle whenever she was even so much as, like, inconvenienced. Some neighbors would say that they would hear Tamara screaming or cursing at her tenants while, like, banging her fist against the walls or maybe the radiators. Like, they could hear something like metal. Hmm. Uh, Once again, within a few months, another tenant would head for the hills. Yeah. Sergey was from a city up north called Norilsk. Sorry, this is like so embarrassing. So when he left, neighbors assumed that he'd gone back home when they hadn't heard from him for some time and everybody just kind of moved on. Yeah. So over the next several years, Tamara would take on several more tenants. For years, she had tenants come and go. One interesting thing to note is that most of her roommates for an extended period of time were men, most of them younger than Tamara by at least a few years. I'm not sure why, but it almost feels like a clue of some kind. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So it's pretty clear by looking over the very little information that I could find about the different tenants that she had attained over the years, along with comments from neighbors who shared walls with her, Mm -hmm. that Tamara was a little bit of a loose cannon to say the least. Yeah. So when new tenants would come and quickly leave, nobody really asked any questions. 
It continued this way for more than a decade, until in March of 2015, Tamara would connect with someone who would become her next roommate, after an acquaintance put her in contact with someone who she believed would be able to help Tamara out while her apartment was being renovated. Hmm. This new roommate would be none other than Valentina Olanova. Hmm. Yeah. So as I said before, Valentina was 79 years old and lived on the same block as Tamara had for many years. When the two connected and Tamara explained her situation, she was able to leverage her many years of experience with housekeeping while she worked in the Grand Hotel Europe. The deal that the two had agreed on was pretty simple. Tamara would take care of Valentina and her home in exchange for a place to live while her own home was being renovated. Hmm. It seemed simple enough. Yeah. Everything went well for a while. So well, I suppose, that after a few months, Tamara really didn't feel like leaving Valentina's home. Valentina, Mm. getting a taste of Tamara's loud and impulsive anger and just like general unpleasantness, was over the arrangement and she was ready for Tamara to leave. Yeah. Arguments between the two continued to escalate until in July of 2015, the two would have an extremely heated argument about who would wash the dirty teacups that had been left out. Mm. Real hard-hitting stuff. serious problems. I know. We have those problems with the dishes too, though, so I get it. Yeah. (laughs) You... You're going to take that back later, I'm sure. (laughs) So after this particular fight, Olanova had enough and told Tamara that her time in the apartment was over and that she needed to go home or figure something else out. This is not working. Mm. So Tamara wasn't into that. So she decided that there was only one way to handle this problem. Something would need to change in a big way for Tamara to be able to continue living in Valentina's home. Mm. On July 24th, 2015, Tamara made her way to the city of Pushkin and waltzed her little self into the pharmacy. She walked up to the pharmacist, and I have no clue how she managed to do this, but she convinced the pharmacist to just give her an extremely large dose of a prescription drug called finazepam, Hmm. a drug that's typically used to treat schizophrenia, but is also sort of used recreationally by some people who claim that it gives the same effect as like a strong muscle relaxer. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know how she pulled this off, honestly. She was able to gain access to 50 pills. Oh, wow. It's like a lot. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. I see where you're going. Before heading back to St. Petersburg, she stopped and picked up Valentina's favorite salad, Hmm. and then she headed back to Valentina's home. She presented the salad as a sort of peace offering to Valentina, but not before crushing up the 50 pills into the salad. All 50? All 50. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yes. So she left the salad where she knew Valentina would find it and then put herself to bed somewhere around 7 p.m. When she woke up around 2 a.m., she entered the kitchen, and that's when she saw Valentina passed out on the floor, still very much alive, but obviously completely unconscious. Mm. All right. So the next part is graphic. I'm going to try really hard not to go overboard. Yeah. in my description of what happens, because I really don't like being gratuitously graphic. Yeah. And anyone who's interested in the dirty deeds can find them pretty easily sure. with a quick Google search. Sure. So feel free to look it up. But I do have to unpack it a little bit. So here's your warning. Once again, if you're squeamish, go ahead and skip ahead. So instead of showing any compassion for the woman who had generously opened her home to her, Tamara got about as cruel as you can get. While she was still alive and breathing... Tamara used a hacksaw to dismember Valentina. She worked to remove the limbs and head of her former host and cut her torso into two smaller pieces. She then used kitchen knives to make the dismembered pieces smaller and more portable 
before wrapping some parts in the shower curtain and placing the other parts in a bag. And then finally, she placed what investigators believed to be Valentina's head and hands in a large soup pot with a lid. She then, one small bit at a time, took the body parts out of the home and left them in various places. Investigators have a decently full understanding of this plight because CCTV footage taken by the apartment building shows little Tamara moving the bags and the pot out of her home and into the night. Hmm. The bag she was carrying in the footage appeared to have been pretty heavy, as Tamara can be seen struggling at multiple points in the video, at one point dragging a bag and leaving a trail of what would later be determined to be blood across the floor. She made the trip up and down the stairs with her dismembered friend in tow seven times. One awful detail is that despite conflicting reports that would come out over the next few weeks, Valentina's head, hands, and lungs, the only parts of her remains that were not discovered by investigators, were never located. Oh. Which is awful. Yeah. And so dehumanizing, and I hate that. Yeah. I read something, one of her friends that... I think it was a neighbor who was a friend with her mentioned that burying her incomplete was one of the, like one of the heavier moments of her funeral. Right. Cause it's like the dignity of not having all of her. You're right. So, so sad. How could you do that? I just don't get it. Yeah. Well, and it, it just, it begs the question of where, where are they? And the most obvious answers are kind of grotesque. They are, yes. So on July 26th, her body was found, and now we've come full circle. So I Mm. know that was rough, but we are not done yet. Following her arrest, officers brought Tamara Samsonova into the Froons District Investigative Department, where she would be questioned. Mm. Tamara was almost bizarrely cooperative and even keeled throughout this whole process. From the moment that police came knocking on the door of Valentina's home, all the way through to when she was being questioned, by the way. Like, the whole time, she was very cooperative, very pleasant. Wow. Like, that's, in the beginning, I used the terms, the term mild-mannered. Yeah. And that's pretty accurate for what their experience was in the beginning. Unless she had a roommate. Unless she had a roommate, yeah. Yeah. she wasn't so much. Right. So, in the room where she was being questioned, there was almost nothing about her that came off as a typical cold-blooded killer might. With her little red sweater, her wily hair soft-spoken voice, and smiley face, she appeared as any other elderly woman might. Hmm. During her questioning, Tamara would share all sorts of conflicting information about herself as well. Initially, she told investigators that she'd studied and graduated from the prestigious Vaganova Academy of Russian Ballet, which is extremely hard to get into and hard to achieve what she had claimed to achieve. Hmm. So, it was these sorts of claims that led investigators to have her undergo psychiatric evaluation. And that evaluation determined that she was a danger to herself and to others, so she would be committed into psychiatric care while she awaited trial. Hmm. Wow. It was also during the initial questioning that police discovered that not only was Tamara guilty of killing and dismembering Valentina, but there was a lot more going on with her than any of them could have initially guessed. So they asked her if she knew what happened to Valentina Olanova. She calmly told them yes. In her own words, she said, quote, I woke up after 2 a.m. and she was lying on the floor, so I started cutting her to pieces, end quote. Oh, my gosh. Just like calm and chill as can be. Just, just wow. told him what happened. Yeah. 
When they asked her why she had done it, she basically said that she didn't want to leave Valentina's home and that she had believed that she could, quote, live in peace for five months, end quote, before family would come looking for Valentina. So this was like a short-term solution to the problem. And I don't know why she loved Valentina's house so much more than her own, but she did. Enough to kill, which is bizarre to me. But there are little bits of recorded conversations between Tamara and either police or reporters like court officials and pretty much everything out of this woman's mouth was strange. She was weirdly cooperative, as I said, and she even demonstrated on a dummy what she had done when she was dismembering her friend who had taken her into her home. Yeah. You can see photos of her mock decapitating a dummy. Oh, it is very disturbing. And she's just like, it's so casual. It's like she's showing someone how to tie their shoes. Yeah. So weird. So it's, it's crazy to me to think about this because you're describing somebody who had taken people in as tenants mm-hmm. and then needed to go somewhere else for a little while. Right. Was a terrible host and yeah. obviously a terrible guest as well. Right. And then she, I'm just trying to think through like how on earth somebody just, just does that so nonchalantly. Right. Because she had this planned very in depth. She had the whole thing from the beginning. She went to the pharmacist. She, I mean, she had several, she made a trek to get yeah, to the pharmacist too. Right. She had several hours worth of decision-making. Right. And then even after that still had more opportunities to like, just leave everything alone and not be psychotic. <laughs> right. So, well, and uh, even okay. even seeing Valentina passed out on the floor, there was an opportunity there, too, to be like, oh, gosh, what have I done? Right. Like seeing somebody in such a vulnerable state, right. I feel like most of the time would either elicit like a panic feeling like I'm going to run away because I'm seeing someone in distress and I don't know what to do. Right. Or the hel- sort of helpful thing where your instinct is to you see someone in distress and I need to get her to bed. I need to get her to the doctor. Right. I need to call for help. Anything. So. The fact that she just calmly got up and started cutting her to actual pieces yeah. is very That's so off. Odd. Yes. Yeah. So early on in the investigation, police would soon discover that Tamara was tied to more brutal murders and callous disposals of bodies. Remember all of the mysterious disappearances of her tenants? Yes. Yeah. Well, while looking through Tamara's apartment, they discovered her diary. It included plenty of entries detailing things that anyone would, what she did that day, how she slept, whether or not she had had coffee, thoughts on this and that, Hmm. etc. Very true diary. Yes. Classic use of one. (laughs) But what was unique about Tamara's diary, however, was her somewhat detailed accounts of killing some of her tenants. Oh my gosh. They found in her diary, which was written with some Russian, some German, and some English, Pretty detailed accounts of the murders of at least, wait for it, at least 10 people. Oh my gosh. Turns out there had been dismembered body parts found in the same area as where Valentina's had been found 12 years prior. Among the body parts, investigators had also discovered scattered pages from a book. And I'll tell you more about that in a bit. Okay. But I will tell you now that they're not pages from her diary. 
Interesting. Okay. They'd never been able to identify the remains because the head, and I believe the hands, or at least part of the limbs, were missing. But with these records, they were able to identify those remains as belonging to Vladimir, the tenant that she'd taken on back in 2001. Hmm. In her diary, she basically said that there had been a fight that had escalated between the two of them, culminating in her killing and dismembering him in the bathroom. They had found a business card of his in her home as well. She also detailed that he had a tattoo, a tattoo matching one found on the remains. So boom, they were yeah. able to close that case. He'd been a John Doe for 12 years. We got an ID. Now they knew who he was. Yep. Wow. So big deal. That's yeah. a really big deal. So remember the guy, Sergey, who I told you about, that he was a tenant for a while also? Yes. He's the one that was from somewhere up in Northern Russia that lived with her in 2003 until yes. he suddenly stopped showing up. Yeah. So, well, they found traces of blood belonging to Sergey in her home as well. Oh my God. I'm not sure how they tested that, but they did confirm that blood belonged to him. Yeah. Her apartment was kind of a cesspool of evidence. <laughs> there were details about another possible murder linked to Tamara. She detailed the murder of a man who had roomed with her for only about a week named Alexander Barchev before he too bebopped his way out of there. Hmm. She initially confirmed that she had killed him, but then retracted, telling investigators that she was just kidding. <laughs> there are more, <laughs> it's a weird thing to joke about, Tamara, yeah. in a situation like this. When you Not have a funny caught joke. with three, that's, right. yeah, that's an odd thing. At least three at this yeah. point. That's not really a funny joke to make. Like, read the room. No, oh my gosh. So there are more accounts of murders detailed in her diary, but the names and details on those cases have not been released to the public as far as I could find, because this is technically an ongoing investigation. One absolutely crazy twist in the story is that another man named Vladimir came forward saying that he had been in a relationship with Tamara and lived to tell the tale. Hmm. I couldn't find many details on this guy, but he had quite the story to tell about his time with her. He said that they had many fights and that Tamara was short-fused and quite scary when she got mad, so eventually he broke off their relationship while remaining a tenant in her home. Oh. Bold wow. move. <laughs> yeah, super bold. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So not long after the breakup, he fell ill and ended up in the hospital. When his medical team ran some tests on him, it turns out that he had high quantities of some substance. I couldn't find exactly what it was, but he was essentially poisoned. Oh. Yeah. Instead of confronting Tamara, he just went back to his room, packed his stuff, and scooted out of there. Hmm. This is the most likely reason for him not ending up like the handful of others who weren't so lucky. Right. He just like secretly packed up. And just bounced. And bounced. Smart wow. move. Yeah. Whatever his intuition was that told him to do that, like give it a high five. Yeah. Because. Well, I mean, honestly, that's the smart move. Like, I feel like in general, if your former girlfriend. <laughs> poisoned you. Poisons you. And you're like, oh. I've just been poisoned. The worst thing to do is to confront them. because No matter how already, justified you would be in confronting them. Right, because yeah. they're already committed to killing you. Right. <laughs> like, well, and I've read so many just things. Go. Just little trigger warning. I'm going to talk about domestic abuse for a second. It's, it's nuts how many resources there are um, in regards to helping people get out of domestic abuse situations. Yeah. And they always say the same things that like, leaving and getting out and then the first few weeks after leaving and getting out are your most vulnerable. Like you're in more danger then than you were when you were actively mm. being abused. Right. And it's the statistics on that are absolutely mind boggling and so heartbreaking. And so I think the 
advice that I would always give in that situation would be get out when you can get out in secret yeah. if you can. Right. So, yeah, he got out. And wow. So, anyway, good for Vladimir. Yeah. Investigators believe that she most likely used the same methodology for all of the murders that they believe that she's connected to. Drugging, dismembering, disposing of the bodies, and then on to the next one. Hmm. In the initial hearings for her case, Tamara continued to make erratic statements. She would go from taking full responsibility for her alleged crimes, then she would turn around and blame her neighbors for the killings. So the media, <laughs> yeah, she'd just wow. blame old Betty down the street for it. So the media went nuts for this case, obviously. There are photos and footage of Tamara blowing kisses to the cameras. She said, quote, I knew you would come. It's such a disgrace for me. All the city will know, end quote. And, quote, I was getting ready for this court action for dozens of years. It was all done deliberately, end quote. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All over the place. All over the place. Hmm. There were also plenty of moments where she appeared to be confused or disoriented. Yeah. She informed the courts that she had a history of mental illness. At one point, she said, quote, I'm haunted by a maniac upstairs who forced me to kill, end quote. Her neighbors would affirm hmm. this bit of her testimony to investigators, stating that she had been in and out of psychiatric inpatient care over the years. One interesting thing that came from her neighbors was that while some of them had said that they would hear her and tenants fighting dramatically, others said that for the most part, their interactions with her had been pleasant and that she seemed to just be a timid, lonely lady, hmm. which is very interesting. That is very interesting. I don't know if that was like, I've, tr I've thought about this a lot. Was that tactful? Was that on purpose? Mm -hmm. Did it just so happen to work out that way? Right. Were they the people that she didn't? feel threatened or have a, an issue with, or was she just like picking and choosing who she wanted to have issues with? Right. Who knows? Yeah. So news of her crimes came as a surprise to many of them. Hmm. Very interesting. So with all of this taken into consideration, the court determined her mentally incompetent to stand trial. So the initial call made for her to remain under psychiatric care was extended and from what I could find, it appears that that care is most likely going to be needed for the rest of her life. Wow. Yes. So in the months to come, investigators would reveal more of their findings to the Russian media. It was revealed that not only did Tamara boil the head and hands of at least Valentina and potentially the head and hands of other victims of hers, Yeesh. that she allegedly also engaged in cannibalism. Gross. So allegedly, yeah. not trying to get sued, allegedly. She would cook and eat the organs of her victims, and she had a particular affinity for lungs. Weird. Oh. Ooh. Yes. This is based off of some testimony that they had gathered from her in questioning, and specific events of cannibalism are allegedly found in her diary as well. So on a related note, to this day, like I said before, nobody knows what Tamara did with the soup pot that contained Valentina's head and hands. The assumption is that she threw the pot into the garbage that was hauled away to the landfill. Right. The likelihood of those remains ever being discovered is pretty low. Yeah. Police would reveal that with her diaries and other evidence linking her to certain murders pretty clearly, that they believe she might be connected to up to 21 murders altogether. Wow. That's an oh. extremely high body count. That is. 21 murders. Yeah. And that's only in the course of maybe, maybe 15 years. Yeah. Crazy. <sighs> so other items that were of interest to investigators that they found in her home were books dedicated to the occult and to black magic. So like by the types of books 
that they found. She wasn't someone who was kind of like passively learning about a worldview that interested her. Her interest in the dark arts was not like casting Harry Potter spells or like love Mm -hmm. spells with her friends. Mm -hmm. From what I was able to find, the particular books on her shelf contained detailed explanations and instructions for some pretty dark rituals. Hmm. I think being interested in learning about something like that is one thing, but as it were, she appeared to have been very much focused on sort of harnessing the dark arts to harm others. And this couldn't have been helpful in her already fragile mental state. Somebody made the point that to say when she said there was a maniac upstairs who forced her to kill, uh, that maybe she wasn't speaking sort of uh, metaphorically about her mental health struggles. Maybe, Hmm. maybe there was a, a, sort of religious tie to that. Yeah. Yeah. Some kind of spirituality connected to all that weird. Yeah. One interesting thing also is that investigators noticed that one of her spell books was missing pages. It turns out the ones recovered with the remains that I had talked about earlier were an exact match. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. So along with these interests, one of her neighbors had claimed that Tamara was unusually fascinated by the crimes of one of Russia's most prolific and violent serial killers, Andre Chikatilo. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying so hard. I'm trying my best. Better known to many as the Butcher of Rostov. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this guy because one, we don't have time. And two, his life story is enough to make one full and very dark episode of its own. Sounds good. But I'll tell you that this guy's childhood reads like a how to make a sadistic serial killer handbook. Wow. His childhood was spent in terrible poverty. And, you know, he lived a lot of his life being told things like, quote, you once had an older brother who was kidnapped and eaten by the neighbors before you were born, end quote. Oh, my gosh. And things like that by his mother. Oh, gosh. It's said that he witnessed a ton of violence as a child, many saying that he watched his mother's assault by Nazi soldiers sometime in the early 1940s. Oh, as an Yeah. That's so, like, sad. really not great childhood. Yeah. As an adult, he was impotent, which sent him into violent rages when he was with women and he couldn't perform. Oh, and many man. believe that it was this, his traumatic childhood and stressors like being fired from multiple teaching jobs that set him on a spree that would leave him with a body count of at least 43 deaths and potentially up to 56 deaths. Jeez. A lot. Yeah, that's. Yes. That is a, a large amount of people. Yeah. He was ultimately executed for his crimes on February 14th, 1994. One thing that many people have pointed out was that he had meticulously removed the eyes and organs of his victims, citing the superstitious mindset that if he didn't do this sort of thing, his victims would be able to capture his image before death. I believe that he also ate pieces of his victims as well, Mm. which sound familiar. Yeah. So many people would compare her crimes to his and many would give her the unofficial title of being his female equivalent. Hmm. As far as nicknames go, The Sun, which is a controversial UK publication, dubbed her the Granny Ripper, which I thought was a little hilarious because what a nickname. Right. Others would call her the real life Baba Yaga. What or who is Baba Yaga? Yes, I'm curious. You might be wondering. Okay, so I don't want to get lost in the weeds on this, but Baba Yaga is a staple character in Slavic folklore. There are several versions, renditions, and functions that Baba Yaga serves, depending on which version you read, but I can boil it down pretty simply. Baba Yaga is a witch who lives in the woods. 
She carries her Mm -hmm. magical mortar and pestle with her to transport her victims to her cottage in the woods that stands on chicken legs, Hmm. sometimes featuring a rooster head bursting from the roof of the cottage. Her cottage is traditionally guarded by a fence made of human bones also. Oh. So real nice, rustic cabin in the woods, you know, that old thing. So like I mentioned, there are several versions of the story, but they usually all end with her bringing disobedient children or travelers who wandered too far off the beaten path being fooled into trusting her. And then they all ended up roasted in her oven and eaten. Oh. So I'll probably Mm. feature Baba Yaga in more detail at some point because it is really fascinating. And it has some like super, super unsettling origins. Yeah. But that's for another day. It's, oh, excuse me. It seems kind of like a little bit of Hansel and Gretel Mm -hmm. and those kinds of stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an old lady who takes people, cooks them and (laughs) eats them, fits the bill enough for for our Granny Ripper. (laughs) So where are we today then? Removing all of the fanciful elements, all of the hearsay and speculation, Samsonova's case and the extent of her crimes are still being investigated. Wow. She's currently suspected of at least 11 murders and up to 21 that we know of at this point. And it's believed that her crimes date back to up to two decades. So I can't forget to bring this up. Hmm. Her husband going missing in 2000 is mm-hmm. where many believe her crimes began. But this has yet to be proven because they've never been able to make contact with Alexi or find his remains. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's very So odd. we may never yeah. know. We so may he, never know what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. He, he could either, be alive and well. Yeah. He either ran off and has probably seen the news and has just been like, nope. <laughs> I'm going to stay out of this <laughs> stay one. Stay away from that. She is, she'll find me, you know. Yeah. Uh, or he's, uh, yeah, he's dead. Which... Seems to be very likely in my opinion, but never know. You never know. So they're pretty certain of her methodology and decently certain that her motives likely begin and end with being mentally ill. Mm -hmm. In her younger years, they surmise that the trip up and down the stairs that they saw her make on the CCTV footage when she was disposing of Valentina's bagged remains was a trip she was probably pretty familiar with. Yeah. They assume that it was simply easier for her to carry bags of dismembered remains that she would likely dispose of by scattering them all over the area, maybe in different parks Mm -hmm. or slightly secluded areas, you know, kind of like the pond. So due to the degree of her condition in 2017, she was sentenced to life in the Kazan Psychiatric Hospital, which is a high security institution based on the recommendations of her medical and care team after observing and formally diagnosing her. Wow. Yes. She, along with just about everyone else who has ever heard of her, believes that she's right where she needs to be. (laughs) She says of her sentencing, quote, I am a very old person and I have put the matter to rest deliberately. I have thought 77 times about it and then decided that I must be in prison. I will die there and the state will probably bury me. End quote. Wow. Yeah. She's come to terms, it seems like, with... With where with her fate, I right. suppose. Well, anything goes back to when she, when she uh, murdered uh, Valentina. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Oh, I thought I'd get like five months before right. I got caught." Like she, she's apparently been waiting to get caught for fifteen years. A lot of a so. lot of things that I saw from her were things saying like, "Finally, you caught me! Right. Thank goodness!" Right. You know, like she was like relieved. Yeah, she like knew. Yeah, so she, it sounds like. To some degree, she knows how terrible her own crimes were. Mm-hmm. 
it's very interesting. Funny enough, we were just talking about this. It's very interesting that so much of each of her different testimonies really highlight her own self-awareness of what she did. Hmm. She almost seemed relieved at several points. So, yeah. Wow. She said that in so many words multiple times. As far as the investigation and trial go, the deaths of Valentina Olanova and Sergei Patanin are the only two murders officially confirmed. The other ones, they have like enough evidence to continue to investigate. Right. But they have not officially confirmed anybody besides those two. Right. So they've, they've, they've gotten as much information as they need to presume that it's her, but obviously in a court of law, you can't presume anything. Mm -hmm. So they're probably just like, it was, it was her, but we just can't prove it beyond like with hard evidence. Right. Well, there's also some dispute about like, if she's incompetent to stand trial, is she competent to make a confession that can be sure actually oh, upheld yeah, in court? You know, yeah. so law enforcement in Russia are working to zoom in on the other crimes, but with an unreliable witness, scattered remains, many of which are still unidentified, mm. and written accounts from Tamara's diaries being the only solid evidence at this point, they apparently don't have enough to formally charge her with all of the crimes they suspect that she's committed. Mm. Yeah. The likelihood of fully uncovering all there is to know about Tamara Samsonova and her crimes is looking a little dismal, but that has not stopped the efforts that many people are making to do so. Yeah. At the end of the day, this might just be a case that we'll never have the answers for, but at least she's off the streets and can't repeat her crimes again. True. She's in that institution for life. That is way better. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those things, kind of like what we're talking about with the um, Lady of the Dunes. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Whitey Bulger. They were only able to get him on so many crimes, but they believed there were up to dozens more, you know, Yeah. but they got him, you know, that sort of mindset. So I tried pretty hard to find information about Sergei Patanin and Valentina Olanova, but I didn't have a ton of success, which makes me sad. Hmm. Like pretty much all I could find about either of them was how they were killed, dismembered and left in scattered pieces around St. Petersburg. That seriously, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Anything else? Is probably in Russian, I would imagine, mm-hmm, which probably. As, as we've, as we've come to find you do not speak yeah, <laughs> or read. I really don't <laughs> No, I am not fluent in Russian. So if there's anybody who does speak or read Russian and they want to go find some of that information and yeah, we'd share love that. to share it. Cause yeah. I, I really like to try and end on the note of talking about the victims as they were in life, because yeah. it's a much better way to remember them. Yes. So one thing I did find was that a different neighbor of Valentina's said that she was a keen gardener and that after it was discovered that she was murdered, I saw that people came and left flowers outside of her apartment door, which I oh. thought was sweet. Yeah. That made me feel a little better that she wasn't like alone and forgotten by the world, you know? Yeah. I couldn't find anything about Sergei like at all. Yeah. Which made me also very sad. I'm sure he had and probably still has, obviously, family who love him. And are heartbroken about what happened to him. So mm-hmm. I don't have a clean wrap up for this one, but I will keep everyone updated if I find any new developments to this case. Yeah. And that's what I have for you. Tamara wow. Samsonova. Wow. The Granny Ripper. The real life Baba Yaga. <laughs> this one's honestly just hard no matter how yeah. you spin it. That's yeah. a real sad one. That is a real sad one. And it's it's so odd because this isn't like, oh yeah, she's caught and she's getting what she deserves. Like she is, but she like accepts that Mm -hmm. and like even like put that forward from the beginning. Yeah. Like very odd and interesting kind of a Mm -hmm. 
twist to serial killers, you know? Yeah. Somebody who's like, I've been waiting for this and I've been wanting this maybe even Mm -hmm. like just very, yeah, it's very unique. It is unique. Hmm. This whole story is very unique. Even though she, you know, was kind of accused sort of, that's probably too strong of a word, but it was pointed out her obsession with the butcher of Rostov and her attempts at potentially copying the brutality of his crimes or mimicking it in some way. Mm-hmm. It still is very, very, very unique. Yeah. It makes me wonder what her childhood was like. Yeah. Um, maybe what the origins of her mental illness maybe. Right. Um, look like. Yeah. There's a lot of backstory to this that we just don't have. Mm-hmm. That it's we very, probably very, won't have. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not impossible to obtain medical records, but I don't think she's ever said where she received psychiatric care before. Mm-hmm. She went on a killing spree. So, right. yeah. Well, and even not knowing her actual date of birth. And, mm-hmm. she, and it's like, it's not somebody from like 1750 right. or, you know, the ancient world. This is somebody who's still alive today and we still can't verify her right. actual date of birth. Very right. odd. Yeah, that huh. is very strange. Yeah. I saw it reported like this was her birthday, two different dates. Hmm. Completely different dates, different months and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like way far apart. Same same year, but different months. Hmm. Yeah. So this one is very intriguing. I debated if now was the time for this one because we haven't gone. I mean, we go a little bit graphic in some of the crimes that we've talked about, but this one was like the brutality yeah. of it is so extreme. This is extreme serial killer graphic. Yeah. Which, yeah. Wow. Well, with that, thank you for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. and uh, Unsavory. Yeah, I'd say unsavory in this one. There's a little bit of unusual, but it's mostly like I have a taste in my mouth that I do not care for. Yeah. I yeah. am not savored. So if you have an opinion on such a story, why don't you go ahead and comment in uh, any of our social media pages at this one is a doozy or on Facebook. This one's a doozy podcast and uh, tell us what you think. If it's a, if it's an unusual unsettling or unsavory story this time around. Also um, while you're there, go ahead and give us a follow on any of those social media pages. And before you do that, if you've enjoyed today's episode or any of the other ones that you've gotten to hear, please leave a five-star review and subscribe. And, uh, on that review, go ahead and tell us what you like about the, the, the podcast. Give us, give us some feedback. We love hearing all about that, which brings me to my last thing. As with the feedback on the reviews, if you've got anything you want to share about a personal story, uh, we would love to receive personal stories in our Gmail account. This one is a doozy at gmail.com. And, uh, I think we've got some personal stories coming up, don't we? We do in October. That's I will right. talk more about that as October approaches. Yeah, got a but little bit of time. I know somebody out there has seen Bigfoot. I know it. Yes. We, some we're we going to find know. one at some point that listens to our show that decides now's the time to share my Bigfoot story and I am living for that moment. Yes. I know it's coming at some point. We're I will for probably it. cry. Yes. Send us your Bigfoot story. We want Please. to know if there's a squatch in these woods. We have to know. We have to or know. It doesn't have to be a Bigfoot story. I've, right. We've, the ones we've received so far are not Bigfoot stories, and they're phenomenal, and I cannot wait to share them. Yeah. But a Bigfoot story would really hit somewhere special in my heart. That would be amazing. We've got to know about the squatch. we got to know. 
So that Gmail one more time is this one is a doozy at gmail.com. Please send that in. And if you have any recommendations on a story that you know about that you'd like us to look into and potentially cover, we've gotten a handful of those and they are on the roster and just over time we'll hit some of those as well. But please keep sending those in. And uh, yeah, with that, I, th- I think that's all we've got for today, right? That's all we got. Wow. Well, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week for another doozy. Bye. Thanks.